I grew up with a father who hated salespeople. And just, I've only ever heard bad things about salespeople. I could never even tell my parents that I w went into sales. And he's like, well, you just did because I've already hired your replacement. That was Matt Liam, owner of Roma's Ristorante Italiano. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. In this episode, Matt traces his family line all the way back to France and Alaska, where one set of grandparents met. His mom and dad raised his family in Glendale, a suburb north of LA. Matt's dad ran a grocery store chain while his mom raised six kids. Matt talks about the neighborhood he grew up in, including his block, where his family had the only swimming pool. He went to college in Santa Barbara and eventually made his way up to San Francisco in a really unusual way. Here's Matt. So yeah, so I grew up in Glendale, California, which is just north of Los Angeles, um, between Pasadena and Burbank. Um, had one of those classic, idyllic, small town growing up Leave experience. Leave it to Beaver or? A little bit. Okay. Yeah. We didn't lock our doors, you know, you, you were sent out by mom to go play for the day on your bike with no helmet and you didn't have to check back in until dinner. Was there like <laughs> the, the parent calling out yes. through the neighborhood? So, so on my street, uh, which is called Art Even, there was the Dewhurst at the top of the corner and they had a big bell that they would ring for their kids. Awesome. Right? My dad, we lived in the middle of the block, he had a whistle that could pierce walls yes and, <laughs> and we we couldn't even lie that we that we heard it right 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 um and then the people down the street had their own call for their kids so it was very much like that um uh growing up we my family had the only swimming pool on a on a one block street with 14 houses that had over 38 kids jesus in that one block that'll make you popular i mean the Sheridans had six, the Liams had six, the Youngs had nine. The, I mean, just all of us had kids. A true baby boom. And my mom, my mom, God bless her, the, every day in the summer, everybody in the pool. Wow, she was you cool know? with that. There's no and, like liability. And and you know what? Yeah. Well, and, and, and you know, neighbor ladies would, would say to her, Jane, how, how do you do this? How do you put up with all this? She says, I know where my children are. That's the main thing. Bam. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was, yeah, but, but no, it was, um, it was a great way to grow up. My father um, was a grocer. Um, he owned a chain of supermarkets in Los Angeles called oh. Pioneer Market. Okay. Um, the flagship was on uh, the corner of uh, Sunset Boulevard and Echo Park Boulevard in Echo Park. And um, in fact, Pioneer Chicken started on that parking lot. Oh, wow. And my dad, being the generous person that he was, said, oh, you want to open a chicken stand on my parking lot? Sure. Oh, you want to call it Pioneer? Sure. Oh, you want to use my logo? No problem. Never got a dime for it. Wow. <laughs> wow. And they turned into a huge chicken chain. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, it was, um, you know, it, was, it was kind of the classic 60s, 70s growing up time. Did your dad already have the market when you and your siblings came along, or was it something that... No, actually, um, uh, when Pioneer Market was literally just a tiny little corner store, mm -hmm. like any you'd see in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, Bodega. Bodega, Bodega. yes. <laughs> my, uh, my mom worked there. 
Okay. And uh, and she managed the deli department. And then she met my dad when he got out of World War II. Okay. He was in the Pacific. Um, they met, and he needed a job, and so she got him Ooh. the job okay. at Pioneer Market as the night manager because they've always been open 24 hours. Oh wow! And she never let him forget it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So uh, they were they were a great partnership uh, in in uh, in running the business. I mean, Your mom it was, sounds it was, like a my dad's out right, but but mom was quality control. You know, she sounds like a badass. I she like was. Her oh, she wore the pants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my dad at one point um, wanted to to buy a market in Glendale, mm-hmm. um, not too far from our home, and he came home all excited. Said, "Janie, the Crawfords is for sale. It's a gold mine. Mm-hmm. It's surrounded by neighborhoods. I mean, it's it's perfect." Over my dead body, Leonard. Wow. She said. He's like, "Why?" She says, "The last thing I want are our friends and our neighbors shopping in our market." My phone will never stop right. ringing. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, brilliant. Yeah, you'll, she'll truly be 24 hours <laughs> yeah. at home. So, um, yeah, so, so anyway, and then I, uh, I went to, um, after high school, uh, I went to uh, University of California at Santa Barbara. Okay. Um, and A little uh, different, but not super far. Right. Far enough. Still very, very yeah. Southern California yeah. beach. And um, um, studied political science, was going to be a lawyer. Um, wanted to relocate to San Francisco. It was the only city that I wanted to move to um, out when I got out of college. And um, so I applied to four law firms uh, for paralegal positions, um, wrote letters to each of them. Um, one of them wrote back for uh, Morrison Forster over on California Street. Okay. Saying, thank you for your letter. Um, the partners have all read it, and we would like you to start your new job on this date. <laughs> no, come up for an interview. One, lawyer, one letter, no interview, start date. And it's not like you wrote knowing whether they had an opening. No, you not at all. You just wrote blindly. A letter of interest. Then, oh, my God. And okay. here's why I think I might be good for your firm. So, How yeah. serendipitous. But it was 1986, too. It was a different world. Different world. You know? Can we go back just, just quickly? A yeah. little, I want to hear a little more about your time um, in, in Glendale. Did you go through public schooling or, or like I went, schooling I went like? through I went through um, eight years of Catholic okay. private God school. Okay. bless your soul. Grade one through eight. <laughs> okay. I am I went to kindergarten at Mark Keppel School, which was a public school. Okay. I am still friends with over half of my kindergarten class. Whoa. Like, talk to them daily. That's friends. awesome. And I like that. same with my incarnation classmates. I'm, I, I'm apparently unusually good at staying in touch with people. Okay. <laughs> and that was possible before Facebook. And right. And my high school class. I mean, I'm I'm friends with more of my high school class today than I was in high school. Right. I've hosted reunions oh, and, wow. you know, and, and put the work in to keep us in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for instance, some, some high school friends who are still in the Los Angeles area have flown up to San Francisco for the day to have lunch at Roma's That's and awesome. fly back that afternoon. Wow. I have a friend that I first met in preschool, not even kindergarten, Marianne who just last night said she's surprising her husband with a trip to San Francisco 
this Friday so that they can eat at Roma's yes. because he needs a little break from his job. I and I mean, it's like that. It's yeah. really amazing. So I'm really lucky with the people that I have kept around me. What would you attribute attribute that to you you and your personality or the community just Both. that you looked Glendale, into Glendale especially back in my day all of our parents were friends you know great parties we all knew each other through church swimming pool um, swimming pool and there, it was just it was a real community yeah and that that the kids of the parents then kept in their hearts and okay. continued. And so it's, um, you know, my, 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 the best friend of my whole life, Maggie Sheridan grew up across the girl across the street. That's a Catholic know? name. And, yeah. <laughs> and, I grew up Catholic as and well. And we I talk guess. all the time. We see each other when we can, you know, I mean, we're, nice. we're like brother and sister. And awesome. It's, and yeah, I, I'll give myself a little credit for, for keeping in touch with people, but it's not work. It's right. It's fun. It's just family. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I want to know how you're doing. Right. And what's going on in your life kind of a thing. So. And then you mentioned you're one of six siblings. Is that correct? Yes. And where do you fall in and what, what are the, what are the make? Like, so I am, I am, uh, I call it the baby by default. Okay. Um, I had a younger brother, two years younger than I, who was tragically hit by a car in front of our home. Um, when he was four. Oh wow! And Down there in six. Glendale. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Um, and uh, yeah, that was Robert. So now there's five surviving. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you're the youngest. I'm the of youngest those of those five. five. Okay. And I have a uh, the oldest. My sister Susan just turned 75. She's wow. 19 years older than. Wow. Me. Okay. And her son, my nephew, is my age. <laughs> right. And her son, my nephew had an uncle who was younger than him in my brother Robert. <laughs> in fact, when, when Susan got pregnant, my mom gave her all her maternity clothes after having all these kids. My sister has my nephew. My mom gets pregnant with Robert and asks for the maternity clothes back. <laughs> I've heard of these situations that I'm like, there should be a name for, but maybe the name is just Catholic. <laughs> right. right. Um, can you talk a little bit about, uh, besides Crowded, what was home life like? And besides, you know, having all the kids over right. the swimming pool, um, like, when they all went home, like, what was, what was actual home life like? Um, well, <laughs> it was different for each of the Liam children, let's okay. put it that way. Because when mom and dad got back, when mom and dad got to me and my brother Mike, after having raised kids for... 40 years already or something. Right. Um, my bedtime was 7 p.m. Yeah. And I resented that. Yeah. <laughs> you can Especially hear Especially in the middle of the summer when there are other children in our swimming pool. Totally. You can hear uh, out right. there. Yeah. But I, I finally came to the realization that if mom and dad were going to have any personal time, hmm. the kids had to go to bed. Yeah. You know. Is that how you learned about sex? And, <laughs> <laughs> Go to or, bed means... Or even just, I mean, yeah. just even just time together. Sure. You know, watching TV or just, you know, doing nothing, but not having kids around the whole Did time. you have those thoughts as a... Because that's super considerate and selfless. If you had those thoughts as a kid that you're like, oh, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of figured that early on because, huh. I mean, they couldn't not want to be around me, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Of course. 
Um, but I, I've always kind of assumed that that was the situation. And the older I got, the more I was like, ah, oh, yeah. Right, the more you realize so, what yeah. that is. Um, the other thing I was wondering about, you said when you did your undergrad in Santa Barbara yeah. that um, you were interested in, or did you say you majored in poli-sci? I did. Do you know, like, were, were there, were there um, formative things in, in your teen years or even Oh, absolutely. That... My, my dad was incredibly civic-minded. Okay. In, in, in the, the library slash bar room in our house, there had to have been 60 plaques on the wall, all from different organizations. Mm -hmm that he had served on the board of mm -hmm. or had donated to. He was on the planning committee for the 82 Olympics. Oh, wow. um, he he uh, was the uh, chairman of the board of the Echo Park Chamber of Commerce for probably 30 years. Wow. He was chairman of the California Grocers Association. Um, he devoted so much time to giving back mm -hmm. And that's something that I have integrated into my business that we'll talk about later. Sure. Um, but the fact that he could be so involved and do all of those things with all those organizations and never make me feel like he's not around. Wow, right. Was stunning. Totally, especially being yeah. one of six. Right. Five. You know. Yeah, lots and, of And, you know, I have two older brothers. They got all the testosterone. I got all the class. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he was at their water polo games and their blah, blah, blah. But also, I was in the band. I was in the marching band. I was the drum major. So the guy yeah. out in front leading the whole thing. Yeah. And they were at the football games cheering me on. And, you know, I mean, really, I don't know how they did it. Yeah. I, it, it really, it, pretty stunning. Um, how how involved they were and continued to be. In fact, when I finally went to college, my mom had a huge problem on her hands. She says, I've been making sack lunches for 45 years. <laughs> and cooking for more than just me and your father for dinner. And she literally still would plate me up a plate for dinner and freeze it. And, and every other week, I would go down to the Greyhound bus station in Santa Barbara, and a box full of homemade frozen dinners was there Amazing. for me to stick away and, and enjoy. And so, so that was her way to sort of cope with the empty absence. nest. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. she's like, screw my feelings, I'm just going to keep doing all this stuff. Right. And I don't know how to cook for two, she said. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Did so. your mom, sorry, one more thing going back. So your mom got your dad the job. Yeah. Did she then, especially Raised when she kids. started having she was, the kids. She was 100% she She's like, you take the ham slicer, I'm out of here. Yeah, got no, she, she, was, she never actually worked, um, you know, uh, while she was married to my father, she was right. she was the homemaker. She was the mom. She was, you know. But every Friday, she got her hair done at eight o'clock in the morning. She went down to Pioneer Market and did the weekly grocery shopping. Um, had lunch with my father in Echo Park, at one of the local restaurants. I mean, just a, a creature of routine mm -hmm. that kept her life simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, growing up. Every day of the week was the same dinner. Oh wow! Like Monday, Monday was, was the same chicken. Day. Yeah. Tuesday was meatloaf. 
Wednesday was pork. Thursday was, I forget. Friday was mom and dad are going out to dinner and we're Catholic, so you're eating fish sticks. Right. And I'm sure they were out eating steak. Right. <laughs> but, and then that the makes weekends, it easier, I And guess. the weekends were barbecues. Yeah. You know? and, and so, you know, it was, I guess it was just a simpler time, a simpler life, but, but she organized it all such that she maintained her sanity. Right. With all those kids and all this activity and all, you know. Crazy. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I, I'm a little bit like that, um, but I, there's no, I'm, I'm not, I can't judge. I've never had, I've had zero children, right. so especially coming out of my body, um, <laughs> I'm like, mom, you do, you do you. It sounds and manageable. I mean, and she, my mom was five foot one. I'm six foot six. Yes, you are. Okay. Um, I was 13 pounds oh when I my. was born. Goodness. My sister Linda was 13 pounds like a when she was born. Oh my God. And the favorite mom pregnant story was the, like I said, all the neighbors were friends on both sides of the block. So the, the house behind us um, was um, lived in by the Shul family. And mom and Mary and Shul were kind of morning coffee buddies, right? So my mom is great with Matt Child and <laughs> decides she doesn't, her ankles hurt, she doesn't want to walk around the block, so she tries to scale the fence oh <laughs> that separates our two properties. <laughs> and she gets stuck on the top and starts yelling. And I think it was a Saturday because both families were apparently, both husbands were home. And so both husbands got her off of the fence. And that day, cut a fence a door into the fence and hinged sweet. allowing free access to, to both houses. I mean, it was just, it was like that. What was your mom's name? I don't think we Jane. Heard. Jane. Okay. Yeah. Jane Liam. Janie. Janie. Yeah, what was she... her maiden name? Uh, actually, her, her, her full legal name was Marilyn Jean Corrimonche. Oh. Well, that was her maiden name. French? French for a short sleeve. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. And awesome. so I have, um, I have a big... Uh, um, uh, part of my family, um, which is kind of funny that I ended up moving to France. We'll talk about that we'll later. We'll talk about that in a minute, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, so, yeah, her, her maiden name is Cordemanche, and she was one of nine kids, um, and on the tail end of those. So, m most of my first cousins are in their 70s. Right. Going on 80, and I'm 57 years old. Okay. So I'm, I consider my cousins to be their kids, right? Because we're all the same age. But Makes because sense. my mom was born late, I was born late. I, you know, I, I've got a lot of older relatives. Did you grow up with any of your grandparents nearby? Only one. Or? My my grandmother, um, uh, Hazel Nashant, I think was her maiden name. Um, she met. David Cotimonche, my mom's dad, in Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. In, she was born in 1894. Wow. They met and helped settle Anchorage. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, had four children. Um, uh, he was a fur trapper. He immigrated to Canada. Makes sense. Trapped his way across Canada to Alaska and met my grandmother, which there's a question about whether she was a true Inuit or not. Mm -hmm. But... 
Boy, you look at a picture of her, no neck, fits in an igloo. Okay. So, <laughs> and then I think they had four kids in, in Anchorage. And, and that's before Alaska was a state. Yeah. Was it like a U.S. Oh, yeah, territory yeah. at yeah, the time? Yeah, it was time? a territory. Got it, I got it. And he had an eight-chair barbershop. He had a hotel. He did rather well for himself. They decided, for whatever reason, to move to Los Angeles. Okay. And took a Sun, steamer. maybe? Maybe. <laughs> Warmth. Took a, took a steamer down, um, and uh, apparently he had a little bit of a gambling problem, so okay. they showed up broke, because they lost all their money on the boat down to LA. Yikes. Had five more children. Um, he ended up dying young. My grandmother had to raise everybody and, and deal with it. Yikes. Just, yeah, it's an amazing, amazing story. My mom, my mom um, forgive me for divulging this mom, my mom never finished high school. Okay because she had to start working. Yeah, no, and I feel like that was more common yeah. back then. My dad did finish high school, but that's it. Never went to college. He went straight into the um, Navy mm -hmm. uh, right after Pearl Harbor. So, you know, the fact that he did so well for himself with just a high school diploma right. said a lot about the man yeah. and the character. And so I really tried to, to emulate his example we will come back to him. Okay. So now let's fast forward back to you miraculously getting the letter job. Right. Um, I, I, I'm assuming you took it. I did. So, yeah. And I spent four years at Morrison Forster. Um, you had mentioned that, um, that San Francisco was a place you wanted to move or yeah. would have liked to come. Do you remember um, what your impressions were? You said this was mid-80s? Mid mm -hmm. okay. I graduated college in 86 so I moved up here in 86 but you were already um like a young adult a young teenager uh in the 70s when like hippies and disco and some other things were like the gay scene was really taking root right in the city do you remember how it was that you found out about whatever you whatever impression of San Francisco well I you had I came out of the closet in high school okay so I was fairly secure in my identity. Got it. Um, and which, you know, made me lean towards San Francisco. <laughs> that, that'll, that, that'll, be, that'll do it. <laughs> in college, I actually was dating a guy who was at Stanford, and we were driving back and forth almost every weekend, and so I spent a fair amount of time in San Francisco. Do you remember your first time? I remember the first time that Mark um, uh, introduced me to his friends in the city, and we all had lunch at the patio. Okay. When the patio was in its heyday, okay. and it was an actual open-air patio. For the listeners, can you let us know where that? That's on Castro Street, right between 18th and 19th. Okay. Um, and it um, sat empty for decades until recently, a couple years ago, it became a Hamburger Mary's, which mm -hmm. I understand is now closed permanently as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, so so uh, and and I spent a lot of time um, with the group called Glass at Stanford, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance. I'm forgetting what the two S's stood for. but um, Something Stanford. Something very Stanford, yeah. Students, Students at Stanford. Stanford some, sure. Um, and um, it was definitely a different crowd than the crowd I hung out with in Santa Barbara. <laughs> Just a little. So it was nice. It gave me some balance, you know, and, and, and um, I mean, I loved, loved yeah. Santa Barbara. Um, and I'm still very good friends with a lot of my college 
classmates. Um, uh, but I got to see a different side of education and, and people by spending so much time at Stanford on the weekends mm -hmm. and then being able to come to the city and then that did it. I knew I was going to move here. Yeah. I was no longer with Mark when I moved here, but um, I just knew. So now let's go back and re-fast forward to, so now you're, you have a job, you're out of school, you're, mm -hmm. and you're moving here. Um, moved here, worked at Morrison Forrester. I quickly became the lead paralegal on, this, on, a, on a case that the firm had that <clears throat> we were not even allowed to say the name of the client. Oh wow. Even at work. We had our own locked secure floor at 645 California Street. Um, I had to sign paperwork saying if I was in a relationship, I would not say the name of the client to my partner. Wow. That's... Um, and, and every month we were handed, uh, one week in a month, we were all handed plane tickets and said, oh, we're going to New York now. My goodness. And we had to take a, an entirely separate duplicate set of all of the case files with us. Sure. And we'd stay at the Waldorf Astoria. I can say the name of the client now. It was Fujitsu. And they were being sued by IBM. But the whole thing was in arbitration. So it was all very secret, secret, hush, hush. Yeah. And uh, I spent a couple months in Tokyo. That was fun um, on that case. And Fujitsu was and your client. Fujitsu was our client. Okay. And IBM was, uh, was uh, suing Fujitsu. Okay. Um, even in the 80s, Morrison Forrester was billing Fujitsu over a million dollars a month Jeez. for the representation. Jeez. Well, those are huge firms right so yeah yeah so but it was it was an experience sure. um it convinced me i didn't want to be a lawyer that's for sure there you go. <laughs> I, was, I was working 80 hours a week oh. i was you know eating food off of trays and hotels you know and sometimes that were left out you know? oh. yeah um got a couple ulcers um yeah. so how uh, long did you stick with that though uh four years okay i was there and then uh, I got a, I, I, I left there and, and got a job at a windmill company, huh. U.S. Wind Power, okay. that, that basically started all the windmill farms out in Livermore. Okay. And um, and 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 uh, still it, living in the city, or still living in the city. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, worked for them as a project manager slash secretary, but um, at one point the the CEO came to me and said. We need one of those things called a network. <laughs> because we were all working on standalone PCs sure. with floppy disks. Sure. Right. He said, I hear this thing called a network where we can connect all of our PCs together. Make them talk I'm to, like, to each okay, other. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. He's like, eh, find out about that for us. Okay. So I got HP, I got Sun Microsystems, and I got IBM to come and pitch us. Was it early This is going to be 90, 89, 90. Oh, okay. So 90. 90, 91, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they did, and we settled on the IBM system, and all of a sudden the CEO says, okay, you're going to computer school. I'm like, oh no, oh no, no. And he's yeah. like, no, you're gonna, you're gonna put this thing together for us. Huh. So I got trained on, on networks and things like that, okay. and connectivity, and, and then all of a sudden I get a call from a recruiting firm um, saying, um, we need a systems administrator for our office. We're not trying to place you anywhere. We're trying to get you to come to work for us. We hear that you know about these computer network things. For a recruiting firm, okay. And I, I went with them because the money was right and I spent 29 years in the recruiting industry. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Were um, they located? They were located downtown. Here? Oh, here Francisco. in the city, mm -hmm. oh, okay. And where in the city were you living around these uh, times? I have lived a 
lot of places in San Francisco. Um, we can do rapid fire if you want. Mostly Castro-centric. Okay. At one, I, one point, I spent a couple of years right on the corner of Castro and 18th. Oh. Above did, what was the photo store. Did you ever sleep? <laughs> That's not yes, a quiet when I, intersection. When I, when, I, when, I, when I installed a switch to turn my buzzer off because my friends would leave the Midnight Sun, which was across the street, and yes. start buzzing me at 2 in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, and then I lived on Collingwood Street. I've lived, I, I've, I've lived several uh, places. I, I did spend 10 years living in Petrero Hill um, when I had my condo there. But... Uh, so I, yeah, so all of a sudden I was working for a recruiting firm and that firm got purchased. Mike Denning, the CEO of the new firm, um, one day called me into his, into the boardroom and started whiteboarding Matt Liam's personality traits. Oh my God. And I'm sitting That's there two scary. weeks before Christmas and I thought I was getting fired. Yeah, of course. And so he's like, you know. Was it like a pros and cons? Or no, plus it was and all pros. It no was all, pros. It was all pros. All pros. Oh, it was all pros. Yeah, then you're like. Uh, and he's like, "So what does all this say to you?" And I said, "Am I fired?" Yeah. Yeah. He's like, "No, you're not fired." Well, you're kind of fired. I'm like, "What?" He says, "This says you need to be in sales." Okay. So I need you out of that little computer room in the back of the office and in front of clients. Hmm. I'm like, "Oh no, 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 no." Okay. I grew up with a father who hated salespeople. And just, I've only ever heard bad things about salespeople. I could never even tell my parents that I w went into sales. And he's like, well, you just did because I've already hired your replacement. That was Matt Liam. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Matt will share the story of opening Roma's Ristorante Italiano in South of Market during the pandemic. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 150 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, subscribe, rate, and review our show so we can reach even more folks. And if you'd like to drop us an old-fashioned email, we'd love that. The address is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.